It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to another edition of Dome and Domer. My name is Mike Brammer. Joining me, Ed Jordanic, as always, also joining us from IndyNation.com, Mike Coffee. Coffee, I'm going to throw this one at you. I've been dying to ask you this question. Do you agree with Desmond Howard that Brian Kelly has reached his top capability at Notre Dame? He's not capable of anything more, and they're forced to take the USC job. Did, did Boy, we, happy Thanksgiving how, to you guys too. Yeah. Holy cow. How did that question? How did they even come up? I think it was a planted, like they intentionally did it because they're they're trying, they're trying to sway Brian they're, to get out of there because he's on the verge of finally doing it. No, they're 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 trying to invent news. They're trying. I mean, I mean, listening to anything Desmond Howard says about Notre Dame is absolutely ridiculous. But um, do, do I agree with him? No, I don't. I think. Uh, I think they're still They've been claiming for Helton to get out of there this entire time. I didn't know this was why. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> no, I, I, I was hoping they were going to keep Helton. I, they, the, the longer they could keep him in there, the more games Notre Dame was going to win. But I, I, I don't think uh, the, the, the thought that what is being accomplished now is the most that ND can do. I, I, I think it's, it's a false assumption. I think that Brian Kelly can do better. I think Notre Dame can achieve more. I think, I, I, I don't think the ceiling's been reached yet. I mean, Desmond Howard is invested in saying stuff like that because he went to Michigan. So <laughs> I, 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 I think that that's basically a load of crap. Yeah, I, I kind of take it for the same. Well, I'm, I just want to have a little bit of fun to start the show. It is Thanksgiving. Well, well let's talk the big topic of the day, Ed. What, what do you think? I mean, they say it's 50-50, but what's your gut instinct on everything that needs to happen? And it is a, it's more than just Bama losing. I mean, that isn't going to do it for us. We actually need some additional help. What, what do you think the chances things are going to fall into line? Yeah, I, I think they're still probably um, um, less likely to happen um, than likely to happen. But, um, you know, I think there's a narrative emerging that um, if Oklahoma state wins out, they should jump ahead of us. There's narrative emerging that, you know, if Oklahoma wins out, they should go in ahead of us. Um, And so, you know, I mean, there, there does seem to be, if you kind of listen to the Twitterverse and to the the sort of the national media, it's like, you know, we just, we just don't want, you know, Notre Dame to go in there and uh, they're just sick of us getting in there. Um, And, um, you know, understandably, we haven't been competitive in the in the playoff games, um, but there's been a lot of blowouts in those 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 playoff games. Um, so, uh, you know, at least on in the eye test, to me, um, Georgia and Ohio State are the two best teams in the country, and and it's and it's really not that close. You know, I think Alabama has at least for them, kind of a pretty average uh, team this year with some glaring weaknesses. Um, and if you could kind of uh, come up with a way to, you know, sort of hold up their, <coughs> excuse me, hold up their passing game, you could probably, you'd be right in there with them for sure in the fourth quarter. So, um, yeah, I, 
you know, I, I don't know. I'd, yeah, I'd say probably it's a little bit less than, than 50, 50, uh, um, for me, but, um, you know, I think we'll go out and we'll, uh, win, you know, 40 something to 10 or something on, uh, on Saturday night and it'll go right down to the conference championship games. And, um, you know, I think whatever happens, uh, for Notre Dame is a, uh, is, is a good result. Uh, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a, there's a, you know, there's, I'd prefer the playoff, but I don't think there's a downside. I just hope I would like to play, um, you know, I would like to play a, a good, uh, opponent in a bowl game. I think you always want to sort of, uh, maximize your development opportunities. And that's what bowl games have really become in this playoff area era. They're nothing more than just sort of development opportunities. Um, there's no evidence that they lead into springboards for the following season or that they, if they, if they're a loss, they lead into, you know, disasters for the following season. They're really just a, um, you know, a glorified exhibition game, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, but so, so, you know, bring on, you know, whatever, if it's Michigan, if it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't know what I want to happen Saturday. Um, the games in, is it in Columbus or Ann Arbor? I don't even know. It's in Columbus. Okay. No, um, it's in it's in Ann Arbor. Oh no, no, you're right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Okay. Wow. That changed. Well, if it's in a, a if bit. it's in Ann Arbor, then it's <laughs> instead of a thirty point blowout, it's going to be a twenty. Um, well, I don't. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's really hard to gauge this Michigan team because I mean, I've watched them. You know, I was in a in a eating dinner in Chicago and I watched them play a second half against Rutgers that looked really pedestrian. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've you know, you watch them in the second half against Michigan State and you're like, is this, you know, really Michigan's, uh, but, you know, at other, at other times they've looked, so I, I can't really, I don't know enough to know whether they're, they're really going to give Ohio State a game for the first time in a while, but, um, um, but if the game's in an arbor, I hope they don't. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, well, but, I, 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 I think part of it is though, I was reading some articles recently about how the Big Ten on purpose kind of backloaded their schedule this year. So a lot of these big, meaningful games aren't taking place until late in the year. The uh, uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, all, all those games got shoved to the back so that the Big Ten could spend the season with their teams gaining wins and gaining attention and we we don't given the fact that they their non-conference schedules were their usual garbage i don't see how we can how, how we know how good any of these teams are i mean i i think i think i don't care if the game's in ann arbor michigan is going to get their doors blown off on saturday that's the consensus but i don't you know like ed said i i was a little surprised in the penn state game i thought they played pretty well and i didn't think it was cap- capable of coming back but yeah i don't know i mean i i I just don't think they match up well with Ohio State, and I, I, and they're they're not going to play from behind and beat Ohio State. That isn't going to happen. So they're going to have to get lucky with some turnovers early and get up and and turn it into a, a defensive battle. But I just I don't see how they're going to be able to hold them. It, it just doesn't seem likely. What what about? Do you think there's any possibility at all of too big? To, so in either case, Oklahoma Oklahoma State winning out. What if they give up 45 points? <laughs> Both well, of those games and still win. <laughs> I think I, I just, part of it is I think that the Big 12 has been shut out mostly of the playoffs for the last couple of years, and I think between a 
desire to see like if if any big 12 team can show they're deserving they're gonna get the benefit of the doubt just to get them in there now they could very well get in there and again get crushed but uh i think that's what they're leaning towards this year so we got to kind of hope for like round robin losses over the next two weeks yeah you want them to split and you basically want them eliminated i think the for us, it seems like the likely scenario is the Big 12 eliminates itself and Bama loses. I mean, the Big 10 is going to – whoever is going to run the table, likely Ohio State, and I, I just don't – Well, I think it. only Ohio State could do it, though, because if Ohio State gets into the Big 10 championship game and somehow Wisconsin pulls the upset, then I think they're out. Oh, yeah, no, they would, but 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 – um, I don't I don't see Ohio State winning at Ann Arbor and then losing that game. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the more likely scenario is Oklahoma uh, beating Oklahoma State and then turning around and losing to them in the championship game. Um, but anyways, you know, there's multiple things that have to happen. Uh, you know, like Ed said, I, I think the, the best thing for Notre Dame right now would be to finish out strong. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that if possible. I'd, I'd take 40 to 10 all day long. I kind of think it is going to be that kind of game. I'll, I'll be surprised if it isn't. You know, the, the weather looks good. Everything seems to be in place. Stanford really doesn't have anything to play for. I mean, they will in the first quarter, but I think it's going to turn on them pretty quickly because I just they don't have the kind of athletes that we do and I nor do they have any kind of incentive whatsoever so I I just see them just being what it is um you know and then and then anything goes uh, in the bowl game I, I I think I'd love to see us get to the Fiesta Bowl and play you know the loser of that Big 12 championship game that would be kind of fun um no, I think is, that team is that, is that possible no, I, I, the 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 loser of the Big Twelve Championship game is going to end up going to the Sugar Bowl to play whoever comes out of the SEC. All, all these conference tie-ins have really made for uninteresting scenarios. Unfortunately, yeah, that's the problem. You'd hate to play Wake Forest with three losses, or you know, something like that. But the- I was reading maybe they would send Old Miss out to the uh, to the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. That might be a little interesting. Yeah, I mean, if they win it today, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see that. That wouldn't be so bad. But yeah, in any event, it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, for us, I think just the, the, the one thing that has been a little amazing to me, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but the amount of young talent that has played and contributed this year seems way more than any year in the past that I can even remember. I mean, maybe even going back 20 years, um, just the number of freshmen that have contributed in especially at the, uh, you know, the skilled positions, it's, it's amazing. And it just kind of bodes well for where we're headed here in the future. kind of sounds like we're going to lose that wide receiver, by the way, the number one commit, but um, I guess he's wavering. Uh, but anyways, not, I, I think it's really interesting that, that basically it's the same sort of story that we've had for a while. The missing piece is, I mean, I, I think, you know, is again, it's the quarterback position. It's like, do we have a guy that can can be, you know, a difference maker to the extent that it it's a national championship type guy? Um, because I think, you know, if you look at all the other position groups, um, either um, prospective talent or what's currently on the roster, um, you know, I think it measures up with, um, you know, it, it's it's not uh, it's not at all sort of uh, you know for for years it was defensive line 
you know, for, you know, maybe the most, the, the, the weakest spot right now is going to be the, the secondary in terms of, I'm just talking about in terms of talent, I'm not talking about the yeah. way they played this yeah. year, which has been good, but again, it's going to be, does Tyler Buckner, is he that guy that shows that something special, right? Or yep. is one of the, you know, now they're in the hunt for, for a guy that just decommitted from, from USC or is it, I mean, they just have to sort of kind of crack that code and Brian Kelly's never really done it. Um, and, um, and Tommy Reese said that. So that's their challenge is to sort of find a guy who can, who can win football games, who can put a team on his back, who can be a Deshaun Watson or a Jalen Hurts or a Mac Jones or a, I mean, those guys had incredible weapons, of course. But I mean, again, you've got to have somebody that's that is um, really proficient and efficient and can is a throw run threat and all, all those types of things. And that's going to be the real um, and we'll know pretty quickly, I think, because. We'll open with Ohio State next year, and I'm assuming Tyler Buckner will be the starting quarterback. And we'll see if he's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a win, um, but it has to, you know, it has to be something that gives us the idea that, hey, this is the guy uh, that can make it happen against uh, the best in college football. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I do think Buckner, with the backfield that we'll have, and if the if the offensive line truly is what we think they are right now at this point, and then having everybody back, fresh next year uh that is going to be a pretty tough offense stop if buckner continues to run the football like he has and then all of a sudden he starts showing that he's got an arm which he does i mean i just don't think that i've seen enough of him uh in terms of reading defenses and and you know throwing enough football to really say for sure like okay is he is he capable of uh coming, you know, with a minute to go. Pulling well, the problem off. is we've seen enough of him reading defense to know that it's really an open question whether he can do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I, I'd love to see him get a little bit of time. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he got all the time he did last week, but I think time with the starting offense, yeah. like, like with the starting yeah. line in front of him and the number one receivers and backs to at, at, at the helm, I think – I, I would love to see a series or two like that to really kind of get a feel for, okay, he's been in the system now for like over a year. And when he has the full tool complement available, this is what he's capable of right now, which is not to say this is what it's definitely going to be next September in Columbus. I think I mean, you have a whole off season, you have a whole spring yeah, to get even better and better, but I'd but really love to see a snapshot. It would be a little disappointing to not see him in the first quarter or second quarter early. Right. I mean, get him in there when the game still matters. Mm-hmm. See, I think it's, I think it's still really a faulty, um, a faulty um, test testing ground. And, and it's, it's, it's just not going to be, we're just not going to know because let's, let's face it. I mean, the, the, the approach is just so different with him versus Cone and you can't just kind of like flip a switch and suddenly these offensive linemen, you know, and, and, and suddenly the offense is, is sort of a dual threat offense versus what it is with Cone, which right. has been very effective. I think you really have to, it's not going to be until, you know, the, the middle of next season. It's not going to, we're not, we're not going to get answers that the kind of answers that we want um, in, you know, uh, uh, Saturday, or we weren't going to well, get them. Like, I, just, I think, too, I think it's we, just too different an approach to a football game. If you, if that is your guy versus you're switching him out for Cone, it's just, it's just too different. Well, I, I agree that they, they both possess very different skill sets, but I, I, from what I've seen, I think the offense is a lot more effective when uh, Buckner's in there from the standpoint of 
he gives the defense more to worry about. I mean, when you watch the defensive ends aren't immediately crashing down on the RPOs because, I mean, Cohen, I mean, his 17-yard run or whatever from a couple games ago notwithstanding isn't the run threat that Buckner is. And so if the defensive linemen have to say, okay, we have to worry about this guy taking off on us, they're going to be less aggressive. They're going to – there's more stuff in their heads and increases the possibility no, they're going to make a mistake. I think the, the the problem is we haven't seen him in enough third and eight situations, you know, back on our 40 or back on oh, our 30. That's, that's definitely true. Definitely. And, and that's, the, that's the kind of stuff that you just don't see until you're – no, look, I, I totally situ- agree. In the that. one situation he's been in with game pressure, it did not go well. No, it didn't, <laughs> so. right? And so, um, but, you know, I, look, there's a lot of time between now and Ohio State. And if you really think about it, how many freshman quarterback play as much as he has? Uh, you know, we, we had got booked, what, through a pick six at Miami, his first entrance. And uh, and then he ends up starting the next season and we lose one game, Right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's it, it's possible. Um, I think he's definitely the guy. I mean, Buckner is going to be starting against Ohio State. I don't see anybody else starting. And, and therefore, the season's his. Um, you know, I, I think you're right. we got to keep it close. Even if we lose that game, we still got a shot if we can win out. Um, but, you know, his performance in that game is going to be, wow. I mean, that is going to be one heck of a – uh, turning point for us. And what the, which I'm, game I'm, are you talking about, Mike? What's that? What game are you talking about? Ohio State. You oh, know, right, the opener right, next right. year. Yeah. Once once he gets through that and we know what we got and we see and how he, because uh, if he can play really well, even in a loss, like you said, I mean, it's it then it sets us up perfectly. Well, I'm also hoping we can still jigger the schedule a little bit next year because there's still two games on next year's schedule that have not been set date-wise. And the trouble is neither of those games really make for a very good warm up to have during like week zero or whatever. I mean, the, the we're still looking uh, Boston College at home and at Syracuse, no, both of whom we, we haven't had those games scheduled yet. So it's possible maybe they could move a game in front of Ohio State, although you look at the rest of the games we're playing with Marshall is the 10th. I don't know if they would move that one up, but. The fact that they still have two games unscheduled means to me they're still trying to see if they can squeeze a wow, game in front of Ohio State. Yeah, they could pull I mean, that off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, e- even if it was on the road at Syracuse, I think Syracuse yeah. is low enough of a quality, relatively speaking, of an opponent that that, that would be a good warm-up game to have before going to Ohio State. Yep. All right, what, what uh, so are you going with 40 to 10, Ed? Is that what you think this Saturday? Um, yeah, that, that sounds about, that sounds about right to me. I think, uh, you know, law of averages will, will give up our first touchdown in a month. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I whole different topic, but I'd love to sort of, uh, I, I just, you know, we, we take, we take things for granted a little bit. I mean, Stanford was obviously a football program. Um, in better shape than ours a few short years ago, um, just in terms of results, right? They were, yeah. we admired them and the way they played and the way that they, the way that they ground up teams and the couple of recruiting battles that they beat us, you know, for, et cetera, for some guys, you know, we were talking about Solomon Thomas and Adebo and these guys. And, and the fact of the matter is, is they're, they're in a pretty precipitous decline. I mean, they don't look, you know, they don't look like they're, um, they're going to get back to anywhere near the, 
the upper half of the Pac-12 anytime soon if you just look at their roster. So the early signing date has killed them. Yeah. It absolutely has killed them because Stanford admissions will not accelerate their process. And if you look back in the articles, David Shaw was a big proponent of not doing this early signing day. And this is why, because a lot of teams like Notre Dame, we're, we're getting these guys signed in early December and they haven't gotten their Stanford admission decision yet. So these guys are saying, hey, I can go to Notre Dame where I'll know now instead of rolling the dice on Stanford yeah, for February. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely got to have a huge impact. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably I'm sure that's I'm sure that's part of it. But but I also think that uh, that there seems to be, um, you know, from some of the stuff that I've read um, that, you know, um, recruiting isn't isn't David Shaw's uh, um, um, passion, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is unfortunate because at a place like Stanford, it's got to be. Right. No, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. And, and I think that sometimes, you know, you get, you know, he signed a big extension and, you know, decided to stay and didn't take a pro job. And, and now, you know, it's kind of like, it's very similar to, to Brian Kelly, you know, and, and, and it, his arc is, is looking very similar. Right. And now you're going to see, is he able to reinvent himself, adapt to the new signing date, adapt to these other things? I mean, you know, listen, tough, tough shit. It's not, I mean, he, he, you know, it's not like it was, <laughs> you, no, I mean, listen, you got to, well, you got to react to the situation at hand, right? Exactly. You got you to figure out a different, different, better ways to sell your program to get guys, you know, in the pipeline. I mean, he's got an incredible product to sell, an incredible thing to, to, you know. So, um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, uh, I'm very sorry that that David Shaw is struggling right now. But you know, the next, you know, 24 months is going to be an indication whether he can, he can do what Brian Kelly did and figure out the new rules, figure out what he's got to do to uh to get to the to get back to to competing and being a top 10 program or you know he's gonna he's gonna just collect his money and and fade into the sunset um so uh but you know in the meantime i just i i I, i'm just gonna rant on one thing you know i'm just so why does i i just hate the whole kind of you know strength of schedule thing or whatever i mean is it like is does everybody just sort of like forget that these things were made you know, years and years in advance. I mean, there's just such yeah. a, I mean, make arguments about why teams should or shouldn't be wherever, but to sort of like lay it at the schedule is, is just, it's, it's so infuriating. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, like, I, it's one of those like indicators a, that should not be up as high as it is. I totally agree. Cause it, not only that, but everybody, you don't know the situation you're dealing with at the time that you're playing this team. I mean, it's got a total, there's no way to account for the kind of things that go into a, a game week in and week out. And I, I think it's most. I agree with you a hundred percent. It's the most overblown stat that they throw around is that one for sure. Um, it, it, one, you know, the eye test is the biggest thing. Do the committee members like what, how many football games do they literally watch? I mean, how can you, I find it hard to believe that. I mean, you got to do something, but are they really watching each team at least two games? I mean, it'd be fascinating to know like what, <laughs> Are they just watching highlights or are they just reading? Like it'd be, it'd be interesting to know that because, you know, the whole strength of schedule thing is, you know, from, from, like you say, number one, it's being um, scheduled way in advance, but how do you, how do you knock the difference between 10 spots and the strength strength of schedule 20 versus 30? I mean, how how do you penalize a team for that? I mean, yeah, it's very, very flawed. I mean, I, I preferred the computers, um, Oh, and, and more than that, I preferred 
just having. Um, well, di didn't they say based on the last, the previous uh, formulas, we were number four in the old CFP ranking with the computers mm -hmm. and everything? Something like that. Yeah. Up, yeah, we were like number four going well, into the last I, week. I don't understand some of this data that comes out that like PFF has our strength of schedule, like, you know, um, of the teams that are in the, you know, top 25, like it's like fourth or something like that. And then others are, you know, others, it's like ranked 40. I don't, I don't know, you know, that's the whole other thing. It's like, okay, how do you really evaluate strength of schedule? I mean, you know, because if you, if you evaluate by, if you play one of these FCS teams or whatever, immediately you get dinged dramatically. Well then, you know, there's several schools who, who are going to be below us in strength of schedule just because they have a, an absolute automatic W where, you know, I, I, obviously on their name schedule, there are no automatic W's. There just aren't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. And I think that's the worst part about all this is you got everybody playing a non FBS team and somehow that gets counted and nobody says anything. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. like that. Notre Dame's going to have as many FBS wins as any other team yep. by the end of the season. Even so, counting the conference championship. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's going to be a little bit frustrating. But all right, Coffee, what, what's your prediction? I think it's going to be 52 to 6. The touchdown streak continues. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to say 37 13, but I, I think they'll get a garbage score at the end because I think we're going to play a bunch of kids at the end. But, um, but yeah. Let's um, obviously a big disappointment if it if we don't cover the spread. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's hope for a big Irish win and then a and a finale and wherever we end up. I'd love to see us get into the playoffs, man. I'd just love to see that. Um, but hey, who knows? We'll see what happens. All right, we'll leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Edger Danik and Mike Coffee, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.